You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and thank you very much for being with us here again today. Well, can you believe it? Here we are. We're coming out of winter and we're getting back into the time of year where we're going to start putting animals back on pasture. And I will tell you what, one of the things that has been uh, it's been a big learning curve for me on my own place and something I still haven't got 100% figured out, which you're going to hear in this interview, is electric fencing. There always seems to be something to learn with electric fencing. So I wanted to do an episode just talking specifically about that, about some of the equipment, some of the different types and the ways to set it up, and then how to troubleshoot problems with our electric fencing so we don't have animals, our livestock, getting out. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Dan Collingwood. He's an outside sales representative with DNB Supply, but a wealth of knowledge on electric fencing. And he'll tell you all about the history of his career. His 43 years with DNB Supply. Pretty amazing. So we'll have him coming up to talk all about this and help you get your electric fencing right in just a moment. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. I really appreciate you letting me borrow your expertise today. Oh, not a problem. That's what we do at DMB. <laughs> we try to help people out. Well, great. Well, I'd like to start off by just having you introduce yourself to our audience a little bit. So, obviously, you're with DNB. Can you tell us how long you've been there and, and what you do for the store? Yes, actually, uh, I'm one of the oldest employees. I've been with the company 43 years. Uh, it'll be 44 here in June. And I have done many things. I've ran stores. I was an ag buyer for 20 plus years. And now I'm doing all the outside sales volume for the government. Uh, any large quantities, if you talk to the store, they generally call and contact me mm-hmm. to uh, see if there's anything we can do price-wise or to see if we can locate something that we don't stock. So I guess uh, a lot of people probably don't know that there's there's more sales that go on than just walking into the store. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've been doing this. Well, we've been doing it for 40-plus years, but about 11 years ago, we uh, decided to take this on, and I, I kind of spearhead it for us. I'm, I'm a one-man show for all 13 stores, soon to be 14 stores. So I stay pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, you must. You must. Well, today we're going to kind of focus in on electric fencing because we're getting into the uh, the grazing season. We're approaching spring and, and all of that, and I appreciate you being willing to talk about that. I wonder if we could... Uh, Start off just by kind of defining this for folks out there. Uh, you know, our, our listening audience is going to range from people who are very experienced with livestock to people who are interested in getting involved with livestock and are looking for ways to keep it in. And so the first thing I wanted to ask you about when it comes to electric fencing is, is it meant to be a final barrier, The what holds them in the pasture, or is it meant to be something different with backed up by a more permanent set of fencing? Actually, it's a secondary fencing. So what you would have is you'd have your more permanent fencing, whether it be horse fence, field fence, and then your electric fence goes on the interior portion. If you look at the label on any Energizer fencer itself, it'll say secondary fence only. And a lot of people, you'll see a lot of folks out there with grazing cattle and cornfields and all that with one strand of wire. And that's okay because Idaho is an open range, so they can do that, but it is not a primary fence. So 
why do folks want to use it then when they have a primary fence already? Why have electric fence involved? It just helps make your permanent fence hold up better. Horses, cattle, goats, whatever. They have a tendency to want to get on the other side of the fence, as most people know. Mm-hmm. So what this does, it sends that current out there, and they can actually sense the current. Uh, they may get shocked a couple different times with it, but it's just basically to keep them off the fence, and it just helps with containment. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows, and we've got goats on my place. We've got cattle as well, but the goats, they'll really push on that permanent fencing to try and get the weeds or the grass or whatever that's on the other side, and pretty soon they're flexing on that fence, and they're wearing stuff out, and the fence is less effective. So that electric fence can just kind of keep them back and keep them off of that larger investment you've got. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Now, these days when, and I don't even know if if you get this question that much currently, but these days, what do you find most people asking about is, especially uh, as we see more and more development and things going on and in places turning into smaller properties and, and smaller like ranchettes and things like that, are the uses that people have for electric fencing, are they changing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, they make electric fencing to keep pets in your yard, dogs, mostly, and, you know, just in small containment. So as they get into these more developed areas, it's harder to make sure that your animals are staying and where they're supposed to be. So this just helps with that application. And in terms of livestock, are we seeing changes there, or is it more traditional on that side of things? Uh, It depends on the area you live. You know, it's amazing uh, how many goats are in the area, sheep. It's constantly changing. Obviously, we still deal a lot with cattle and horses, mm-hmm. uh, depending on where our store location's at. You, know, you get around in the, the Caldwell area and all that, it's obviously changing more and more, but we still, our primary guy is still the large rancher. Well, there's so much to learn about electric fencing and the way it works. Otherwise, it can actually be a little bit frustrating. So that's what I'm so eager to talk about. Let me take my first break, and then when we come back, let's kind of jump into some of the components that, that will make a complete electric fencing system. Does that sound all right? Sounds good. No matter where work takes you, D&B Supply makes it easy to get the job done with DeWalt FlexVolt Tools. With advanced battery technology, DeWalt FlexVolt Tools gives you the power of freedom to work without cords. For construction, remote job sites, and outdoor projects, the heavy-duty FlexVolt line offers everything from hammer drills to table saws to air compressors and more. So get out there and get to work with DeWalt FlexVolt Power Tools. Available at your favorite D&B supply. It's a pretty super life here at DMB Supply, even for dogs and cats, because we now carry Wildology, the only pet food with Super Life Pro, a live probiotic blended with superfoods. Wildology is filled with the good stuff your pet needs to support a healthy body and immune system, like wholesome proteins, kale, chia seeds, and blueberries, because a healthy pet makes for a happy pet. Unleash your pet's superpower and pick up Wildology cat and dog food at your favorite DMB Supply. Well, Dan, I, I've got a list here of components that can make up a complete electric fencing system, and I'm sure you can add to it to make it even more complete. But I wanted to ask you about those, and, and starting off with uh, with what we're going to put out there that will actually shock the animal or allow them to sense that current. And I've got written down electric rope versus wire, and I'm sure there's more to that, but I wanted to ask you about that. What are the benefits of like an electric rope versus a wire? An uh, electric rope, uh, they, they each have their advantages and disadvantages. An electric rope is actually a polymer product 
that has either it's going to have stainless steel or aluminum conductors weaved with inside of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what actually shocks the animal. Depending on the area you're at, a lot of people like rope for horses uh, rather than just a straight strand of wire. They like to have that because it looks cosmetically better. Mm-hmm. Bunch heavy, it's going to be the same. Uh, anytime you're dealing with electric fence, the main conductor obviously is the type of wire you're using that's woven within that. Same with a plastic fence or a tape, an electric tape. So the conductor is it's woven within. Now, what are the benefits of wire versus that then? If it's cosmetic with the electric rope, why might somebody choose wire over that? Well, wire is more of a the standard conductor. It's a solid conductor where, like in a rope, it might have nine strands of a stainless steel or aluminum wire inside of it, mm-hmm. where if you get into a 17-gauge, 14-gauge, 12-and-a-half-gauge wire, it's a solid wire. Mm-hmm. So it, the conduct coming through there is just, you, know, you get a better contact with the animal. So as far as that, that kind of mental or psychological deterrent for that animal, once they touch that wire a couple times, that's going to be a pretty strong deterrent. Uh, yeah, that, that, hopefully that's what it's doing is deterring them, making them stay away. Now, one of the things I've noticed, because I use some of that polymer rope here on our place, is that when I do get a short somewhere and at a connection point where it wants to spark, that spark will eventually start melting some of that polymer, and eventually I either need to jump that or replace that. Is that a common thing, or is there something I'm doing dramatically wrong here? Well, no, it's just wear and tear. So... Some people will shut their fencers off, and animals have a tendency to come chew on that, especially a plastic wire or a polymer wire. Okay. So what you do is when you get a damaged product like that, so let's say it's got a nine-conductor wire in it, and two or three of those wires get broke, whether it's from stretching, from wind, whatever, a series of things can cause that. What you need to do is pull that back and then connect those wires, because what's happening is if you don't reconnect those wires, it creates that spark is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. which in turn melts the polymer. So anytime you do a repair or we carry repair buckles or clamps, mm-hmm. so you don't have to do that. We actually carry a three-eighths clamp that you can go in and interline the, the ropes together and you don't have to twist them, clamp it down, and then you got your contacts back. Yeah, that spark, when it starts to melt that, then it just seems like it gets worse and worse and worse. So good to get on that right away, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely, yeah. When you see that, uh, you, you want to repair any of these fences as soon as possible. Now, what about electric tape? What are the benefits to that? I've never used that, but I see that around. Electric tape, there again, it's a woven polymer. Some people have different products woven within it. But then again, depending on the brand, it'll have either stainless steel or aluminum conductors again. Mm-hmm. So the tape, the whole point of that is Generally, a lot of folks that raise horses prefer to have that. That way, the horse can see the product a little easier. Uh, we sell an awful lot of inch-and-a-half wide tape that goes on the inside. That most people will put it on the inside of a vinyl fence. Mm-hmm. And so cosmetically, it looks uh, it blends in, but it, it will actually keep the horse back further. So it, it works really well. Got it. So visibility is a big factor, too, just so they don't accidentally bump into it. They can see it's out there in front of them. Exactly. Yep. Now, there's also electric netting, and this is an interesting product because it, it's not just a strand of wire, but it's it's a whole net of wire, like a, almost like a permanent fence, but it's it's obviously not permanent. Do you see the use of this increasing, and, and how are people using it? 
Oh yeah, with with people uh, raising like backyard chickens, uh-huh. it, that's a big factor because what that is is it's basically a plastic field tent that has electric conductors all through it. So it does one of two things. It protects your garden or it contains your chickens in a coop where they need to be or in a yard where they need to be, keeps your dogs from chasing the chickens. So it's got multiple uses. But what really started that is when people are starting to use uh, uh, raised backyard chickens. So that was the stimulus for that. And I know it, you see people uh, using it to rotate pastures and to, uh, you know, kind of uh, prescription graze certain areas with goats and with, with sheep and things like that as well. Oh, absolutely. With sheep, hogs, goats, you know, any type of grazing animal, uh, you can use that. It won't work very well for cattle, obviously, or horses, but for the smaller animals, it does really well. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's just for chickens. It's for all <laughs> the smaller animals. All right. Well, let's take another break, and when we come back, I want to ask you about high-tensile electric fencing, all right? You bet. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At D&B Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking, Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. For work, play, or a little bit of both this winter, stop by D&B Supply for Wrangler gear. From flannel line jeans to stylish shirts and jackets, fit for the field or a night out, Wrangler has you covered. Established in 1947 with the spirit of courageous individuality, Wrangler apparel is designed to last and look good to boot. With new styles and great fits, it's clothing that wears well no matter what the season or what life throws at it. So stop by your favorite D&B and get covered this winter in Wrangler gear. All right. Dan, well, let's talk about high tensile for a second. This is a, a form of electric fence that I've seen used as the the final fencing, the the primary fencing, but it's electric. Is that a, a use that you see very frequently? Yes, we sell an awful lot of high tensile wire. It's uh, a high tensile and generally a class three coating, which is a zinc coating on there, and you see that a lot in the mountains and out, just even around anywhere. And it, it basically has a memory. So if it gets weighted with snow and ice and water, it'll sag down and come back up. Or with your low-carbon wires, it won't do that. Mm-hmm. And then your high-tensile wire with the galvanization on there, it conducts electricity better. Mm-hmm. And it just it's a much stronger fence, much stronger fence. And I noticed that uh, when you look at a high-tensile fence, at the ends where it's connecting to a post or something like that, there's always this device on each strand of wire for tightening it and keeping it at a certain tightness. Yeah, it's, uh, those are called tension springs, mm-hmm. and then they have what they call inline strainers or end strainers. So depending on what you're doing with that, the tension springs, if something does run into it, the tension spring will collapse and hopefully throw the animal back because it's like a piano string. I mean, it's very, very tight. Mm-hmm. And then the tensioner, if you in the winter, if you don't have the animals in there, you can back off on the tension. And so there is, it doesn't have a constant tension on it. And then in the spring, you can tighten it back up or whenever you need to. So you would you want to back off on the tension when you don't have animals in just to give your, your posts and your H-frames and all of that just kind of a rest? No, not necessarily. 
you know, a lot of people put them in there just so when they're tightening the fence for the first time, it's just so much easier to do it. Okay. Yeah. But it does have the option. You can release it if you need to. But the tighter you keep that electric fence, the better off you are. And that is a form of permanent fencing. People use that as their primary form of fencing. There again, it's an electric fence. You're using a charger on it. So therefore, it's not classified as a permanent fence. Okay. Do people use it as a permanent fence? Yeah. Okay. But it's not as a permanent fence. Okay. So, so it's getting used that way, but it's certainly not a fail-safe since that charger can fail for any number of reasons. Absolutely, yep. Well, talk to me a minute about grounding rods and how this part of putting together a, an electric fencing system works. The grounding rod system is probably almost the most important thing other than your energizer. If you do not have a good ground system, your energizer is not going to work properly, and therefore your animals will escape. We sell a product that has three grounding rods in it, and if you look up most of your energizers, they're going to require one to three ground rods. So what we do is every time somebody comes in, the first thing we ask them is, do you have a good ground? And everybody says, well, I got a metal post or I got rebar or I've got uh, a piece of galvanized pipe. Mm -hmm. Those are not good grounding connectors. And so what this does, it comes with wires so you can hook it to the ground at the energizer. These ground rods will go six to 10 feet apart on a 30 foot span. Mm -hmm. comes with all wire and clamps so you can drive it in there and they're six foot long. And what that does is so when your ground starts getting dry and that, you're further down into the ground, and you're staying in the moist ground to get the, to get the grounding action out of the fencer. So how deep are you supposed to get the grounding rods when you put them in? The deeper, the better. So where these are six foot, I would suggest, you know, at least five and a half, as far down as you can get them, gotcha. depending on where you're at. So the deeper, the better. Yeah, where I'm at, we've got lava rock, and we've got caliche and, and stuff like that. So we can get them down a ways, but five and a half, six feet sounds like a huge challenge for me on my place. <laughs> well, if you take that, you can actually make a trench and lay it down as deep as you can. So lay it down lengthwise. Okay. And uh, you can do that. And if it's along an irrigated pasture or whatever, then what you're doing is if you've got six feet rods, six foot rods, and they're going you know, on a 30-foot, you're, you're gathering a lot of, of moisture to ground that energizer. So if that ground is a good connection and the animal touches that wire, then they're grounded. Okay, got it. So in, in like my circumstance, dig a trench and lay it down horizontally. Yep, yeah. It, it's better if you can drive it down, but, you know, if you've got lava rock and that, you just go down as far as you can. And at that point, you want to make sure you've got a place where the ground rods are, where hopefully you got some moisture coming in. Interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try that because I did not know I could do that. I think I need to change mine a little bit to make it more effective. So that's a really good tip. Let's talk about insulators for a second. These are important because we want to keep wire from shorting on the posts we're hanging on, right? That's right. So you got a plastic insulator and a porcelain insulator. Way back when, everybody used porcelain. Anymore, they're all plastic or a polymer insulator. So depending on your application, you can buy insulators to put on a T-post or a 3H electric fence post that's mm -hmm. metal, fiberglass. You can use stainless steel clips. There's so many different kinds of insulators, but it's a key part because if those insulators get a fracture in them and they're connected to a metal T-post, 
and all of a sudden somebody comes along and says, well, my fence is hot in here, but then it stops. More than likely, that insulator has a crack or a fracture in it. Mm-hmm. So the current's coming down, it goes right into that ground, goes right into that metal post, grounds out. You know, just the other day, I was going down the road and I saw somebody who had sprinkler pipe out and they had it set up in solid set. So they're not moving that pipe. And they had insulators that were attached to the risers and then they were running electric wire down off of those insulators to keep livestock off of those risers. Have you ever seen that before? I was fascinated. I'd never seen that before. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll do that to protect the wheel lines and pivot lines and stuff. Um, there's a lot of different variations of them, uh, how they do it, but they do that mostly to protect the, the irrigation lines. All right, well, let's take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about chargers and how to pick what you need, how to use them, how to read them, all of that, okay? Okay. Know what boots work as hard as you do? Georgia Boots, and you'll find a great selection at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia Boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles. While on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earned the nickname of America's Hardest Working Boots? And pick up a pair of Georgia Boots at your favorite D&B Supply. The chicken or the egg? D&B knows what comes first. It's Neutrina NatureWise Layer Chicken Feed, which leads to both a healthier chicken and fresh, hard-shelled eggs. With over 90 years of experience raising healthy poultry, Neutrina NatureWise gives your hens wholesome, natural nutrition they can sink their beaks into. Free-range and home-raised flocks gobble this expertly designed and formulated layer feed in pellets and crumbles. So flock to your favorite D&B supply to pick up a bag of Neutrina NatureWise Layer Chicken Feed for balanced nutrition. All right, Dan, let's talk about chargers. This is a key component to the electric fencing system. And, of course, we've got 110-volt chargers. We've got solar. We've got battery-powered. How should somebody go about determining what they're going to get for their particular system? Well, anytime you can plug directly into an outlet with 110 volts, you're going to be better off. Uh, Less opportunity for damage to the fencer. More than likely, it's going to be inside of a garage or all fencers, except for solars, need to be have some kind of a cover to protect them. So mm-hmm. if you can plug it in, then that's ideal. The solar fencer, obviously, you don't have any power source out there or whatever, so you want to face that basically south-southwest so it gets as much sun as possible. And if there's a challenge with those, a lot of times it's because they're behind a tree or a bush. They may not start out that way, but as the growth of the tree or the bush goes, then it closes out the sun. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, and they're a battery operated, but the, the solar just charges battery for them. Got it. So there's a battery in there, and when we have sun, it's just recharging that battery. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Most of the time, most of those, uh, the solars are going to be, they'll go 28 days without sun if mm-hmm. they're fully. So, you know, here in Idaho and Oregon, most of the time, that, that should be plenty. Now, when it comes to the size of the charger, when, I, when I've when i looked at them, they talk about, you know, this many miles of fence it can charge or something like that. How should people select what they're getting? That's a great question because some people shop just strictly by price. And what we try to encourage our employees is to ask the customer, what are they doing with it? And they say, well, I've only got, I've got 10 acres, not that much. Okay, well, we try to convert that into miles. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, well, how many strands are you running? 
Well, just three. So if you take 10 acres, going around that three times, it's amazing how quick you get up to three or four or five spents that's conducting. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, it's not just one wire that you're thinking about. It's how many wires you have because depending on the source. I mean, we carry fencers from that will take care of pets, clear up to 100-mile fencers. We sell a lot to the fishing game and BLM and that for certain areas. So when they're running high tensile wire and it's a solar power system, obviously that's the only thing they can use. Gotcha. So we've got any application, but you know, it, it's kind of like the old thing: if if a five mile works, ten mile works better. So. <laughs> sure. And so when you're figuring that out, it's it's the linear length of the fence multiplied by the number of strands you're going to have to get your true distance. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Now. I see listed on them both voltage and amperage. What's the difference between those two things? Well, your volts is what's coming out of the unit. The amperage is what it's going to be plugged into. So 110, or excuse me, 110 volt, and it's going to put out so many amps. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's going to be 110 volt coming out with so many amps, and the amps are going to create the wattage or the voltage coming into your line. So that's that meter you see on the side of the fencer flashing. So when you get each fencer, if you'll read the instructions, it'll tell you how many bolts it's going to be putting out. That helps you indicate if you've got a short down the line or something, because if it's not putting out enough, most of the time it's a background or you could add an electrical storm. Mm-hmm. So the point of that is the meter, it helps you tell if there's an indication that there's a, a problem with the, the energizer itself. And then, uh, for example, on the the one that I have, there's a digital number readout that you're seeing, and it tells you for short-haired animals, uh, above this number is fine. For longer-haired animals, you need the number to be higher. So what is that number I'm reading there? Well, that's just the amount of uh, voltage amperage coming out through the the energizer. So what you're doing is when it's giving you that, that meter, that's telling you how many volts is coming out. So let's say it's... 5.5 5.5 volts coming out through there, mm-hmm. but in your application, you need 6.7 volts. That's what we try to take care of at the store level. What are you trying to contain? How far are you going to go? Because we want to match that energizer to your application. So it's not going to fluctuate. It's not going to go up and down. It, that's just what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So it's going to maximum volts on that Got coming it. through your Let's take our final break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about soil moisture and how that impacts the effectiveness of our electric fencing systems, okay? Okay. Feeding your pet's lifelong health starts with science, and that's exactly what's behind Hill's Science Diet. Made by vets, scientists, and nutritionists, Hill's Science Diet offers biology-based nutrition for all pets with formulas for every age, size, and special requirement or need, like joint health and weight loss that create differences you can see, feel, and trust. No wonder it's the number one veterinarian-recommended pet food. So pick up Hill's Science Diet at D&B Supply today. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Bayland Country gates and panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Bayland Country at DNB. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Bayland Country gates and panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Bayland Country at DNB Supply. 
All right, Dan. Well, let's talk a little bit more about soil moisture. So you you mentioned it earlier, like in my personal application with laying it down horizontally, the grounding rod. But uh, in the middle of summer, if you're fencing an area that's just receiving zero water and the animals start to go through the fence or not be bothered by the fence, is there anything you can do? You can actually... uh like where your grounding rods are or along the perimeter of the fence, if you could put a sprinkler or something in there, because the whole point of the moisture is the grounding rod is getting down into the moisture. Okay. And that's what's going to make your fence or ground and your animal ground. So if you come along on the edge, it's really dry, and you can take and kick your kick it down two or three inches before you hit moisture, even four or five. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an issue because the animal won't ground out. And that's when they touch that wire, that's what it's doing. It's making a, uh, a circuit mm-hmm. from that wire down to the ground, and that's what shocks the animal. So, uh, depending on your application, you know, if you can get any type of moisture over there just for a little while, that should take care of your issue most of the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just in our region here of eastern Oregon and southwest Idaho, once we get into July, we're going to go a couple months without any rainfall. And so if you're on an area that's not necessarily irrigated, then that could become an issue. That could become an issue. If it's not an irrigated piece of ground, that can become a real issue. And that happens out in the desert or you know, certain locations, if it isn't irrigated and that doesn't happen to hit that close to that fence, mm-hmm. if you can change it so it will get along that, I mean, it doesn't have to be right next to the fence. Just as long as the animal gets one hoof that can be grounded, that's all it takes. Okay. And because they, they can sense it when the fencer is not working properly. Mm-hmm. And that's how they, I mean, they can actually sense that and they'll know whether to try to go through it or not. Oh, yeah. That's very frustrating that they can figure that Mm -hmm. out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I find with my cattle, uh, if something's going wrong, I've got about a three- or four-day buffer until they finally go, hey, something's different, and then they're through it. And that's why a lot of times we recommend buying an indicator light or some type of an indicator that you can hang on your fence, Uh and it can just go, you know, uh, some people will put it towards the end of the fence or whatever, so they can see this light from their yard. And okay. it'll just keep shining. And then if that light goes dead, then you know you got an issue before you know your cattle are out. You know, that's, so, a, that's a really good idea. I, I'd never thought of mm-hmm. that. I think I'm going to have to start doing yep. that. And along those same lines, as you're going along and you're trying to figure out where the problem is, what can people do to test whether or not a wire is hot without just reaching out and touching it? That's the worst way to test it. Well, they'll probably only do that once. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we sell a series of testers. We've got them from five ninety nine up to forty nine ninety nine. When I talk to people, I try to encourage them to buy one. We carry one from Zariba. It's a digital meter, mm-hmm. and it's very accurate. And you don't have to use them very often, but when you want to test your fence, you want to get the best reading you can. So I try to encourage people yeah, you can buy a five ninety nine or a ten ninety nine, but if you buy this one, you know it's going to be reading accurately. Mm-hmm. And I really try to encourage that into folks, you know. And we do sell an awful lot of them, but I carry one around in my truck all the time because if I have to go visit somebody and something's there, I pull it out and they say, "Oh, where'd you get that?" Your local D and D. Pick it up and they see that. And, whether they ever go buy one, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they would. <laughs> so. 
So. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you about visibility as well. We mentioned it when we talked about the electric tape and horses, but I see people when they're stringing new electric fence, they're they're putting flagging tape on it, uh, and they might have cattle in there or something like that. What's the point of doing that? It's just to get the animal's attention so they don't walk through the wire. You know, it's, it's just mostly so even people see it. They see this flag flying around, but a lot of it is just to let the animal know that there's a, a barrier there. Mm-hmm. And so it flips around in the wind or or whatever. It's just mostly so the animal and people can see that there is a barrier there. Yeah, I've always figured, you know, if a cow gets to running or something like that, they don't see that wire, they're probably going to break it before it ever shocks them. But if they see that flag hanging oh, yeah. on there, they'll probably slow down and go, kind of, what is that before they, uh, before they touch it? Well, it, I mean, they'll come in and if they're being chased by a dog, coyote, whatever, and they're going full bore into that wire, you're not going to stop them. Right. It's going to go, whether it's hot or not, they're going to go through there. So hopefully by having that flag on there, they see that and they turn away from it. Okay. But that that's the whole point of it. Now with electric fence, just some troubleshooting issues. When you're hearing that popping sound, does that always mean there's a short somewhere? No, no. Uh, it depends on the energizer. But if you can, if you are having an issue and you're walking along and you got to check your fence. And what I always tell people, go to your first post, check on the opposite side of that, on the front side of that post, go to the next post, front side of that, because you can walk right past that. And if your hearing's good enough and it's got a big enough short, you'll hear it as you go down the fence line. Mm-hmm. If it starts popping along one of those insulators or long posts, you've got a short. And that's when you have to shut it off and then mend your fence. And when you're getting sparking and corrosion at connection points for wires, does that always indicate a problem right there, or can those spark and do that because there's a short down the line? Most of the time, it's going to be right wherever the spark is. That's where the issue is. So it's kind of like taking care of your car. You take that off, you take a wire brush, clean it up, and make sure it's a good connection because if your wing nuts start coming loose, your connection starts coming loose, then that wire floats in there. And that's what causes the arcing because it doesn't have a solid connection. But it should be right at that point where it's sparking at. Well, Dan, before I wrap it up, are there other issues that, that you hear about or people ask about with electric fencing that I haven't asked you about yet today? Oh, there's always different challenges all the time. And I'll go out to folks' places once in a while to help them try to figure out what it is. And, and most of the time, it's just like putting a puzzle together. You just kind of start at the source, and you just start walking down. And you buy a good fence tester, that takes most of the frustration out. And you can sit there and figure it out what it is because there's so many different applications on how you can do fencing. And there's not really any wrong way of doing it. There's just better ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and fortunately, we've got a lot of knowledgeable people at all our stores. And they have a lot of resources that they can contact to help figure out issues. Folks have issues, don't hesitate to come talk to us. Excellent. Okay, well, Dan, thank you so much. This has been super helpful and a, and a wealth of information. Really appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.